Uh, thank you for your attention, uh, everyone. I really, really appreciated this. This is almost the inverse of what I'll be doing. So we went from <laughs> big to small, and here we're going to go from, from small to big. But uh, this is also a puzzle, and the puzzle here is to figure out what is the actual primary commandment. That is not on this sheet. Meaning, when I open up the Quran, starting from page one, there's the opening chapter. When I go to page two, page three, page four, I will see the first command of the Quran, the second, the third, over the course of these passages. And I'd even ask all the Muslims in the room to, to think if you could identify what is the first command when we start from page one? What is the second command? What is the third command? Uh, and so we're going to go through this, and then the puzzle is to figure out what's common among all of these passages in the Quran. Thus, what is the thread that runs from start to finish throughout all of these? So, these are passages that are very, very commonly recited, very, very commonly memorized, especially the first half of this sheet. It's probable that just about all the children in this room, or the young adults in this room, have these passages uh, uh, memorized, but we'll go through them piece by piece. In fact, maybe I'll call on some of our, our, our uh, listeners to recite them. Okay. So just a little bit of background, uh, just to put everyone on the same page, this might be a review for everyone. Uh, the, the Quran is the central text of, of the Islamic tradition. In the Islamic tradition, one of the many ways that the divine communicates with humanity is by way of appointing prophets. And prophets have a responsibility of calling their people to turn back to God. And some of those prophets are people who receive scripture. And so in the Islamic tradition, Moses is a prophet who receives scripture. We use the term messenger for them. Abraham is a prophet who receives scripture. Jesus, in the Islamic tradition, is a prophet who receives scripture. And the last of them all is Muhammad, who receives scripture. In total, in Islamic tradition, there have been well over 100,000 prophets, well over 1,400 scriptures. The Quran itself mentions about two dozen prophets and about five scriptures. So the completion in the Islamic tradition of prophethood is the prophet Muhammad, and the completion of revelation is the Quran itself. And so that's the whole foundation of, of the entire tradition. And the very, very first chapter, which is often translated as the time, is one of the most commonly recited of the passages in, in the Quran. And I'll read this, but then uh, later on we'll start calling on people. So the translation here is, by the token of time through the ages, verily man is in loss, except such as have faith, do righteous deeds, and join together in the mutual teaching of truth and of patience and constancy. So, what is a way to look at this passage? That one reality is that time keeps moving forward. And to really, really make this point, you may be familiar with the five pillars of Islam. You may be familiar even with what those five pillars are. The Declaration of Faith, you don't have to remember this, but the Declaration of Faith, the five daily prayers, fasting in the month of Ramadan, the annual charity, and then the annual, and then the pilgrimage to be done once in a lifetime. What you may not be as familiar with is that time is built into each of these, these pillars. So the declaration of faith takes a moment. I, I testify there is no God but God. Muhammad is the messenger of God. A moment. The five daily prayers a day. Fasting in the month of Ramadan. A moment a day, a, a moment a day, a month. Uh, the annual <coughs> charity, a year. And then pilgrimage, once in a lifetime. A moment a day, a month, a year, a lifetime. And the idea is that time continues to move forward. It's built into the entire consciousness of, of the experience of this world. So as time is moving forward, by default, your state is loss. And think of it this way, that of all the different types of currencies you have, whether we speak of cash, property, uh, 
the primary currency you have is time. And unlike wealth, or in terms of cash, cash goes up and down. Time just keeps going down, right? You're set with X number of days, and one by one, you lose a day. This is a teaching of, of one of the companions of the prophet. His name is Ali. And an exercise I often do with my 15-year-olds is to have them calculate how many days have you used. And that would be an exercise for each and every one of us. You may or may not be happy with the answer. <laughs> But the point is, in our consciousness, think of time always moving forward to a destined point, which will be, of course, mortality, and then something beyond that. And the default is that you keep losing it. How do you make it so that you are not losing out on the time that's given you? You fulfill these four things. Number one, you have faith. Faith here would be in the divine. Number two, you do what is right. And then this is then uh, uh, explained throughout the text. You push one another to truth, and you push one another to perseverance. So the first two are your individual responsibilities, and then the next two are your collective responsibilities. Faith in doing right, and then pushing others to truth and perseverance. So that's the first passage. And what is the simple point? Make use of your time, because it is fleeting. The second is often the very first passage of the Quran that people memorize when they're young. Maybe we'll call them someone. Hey, Suleiman, why don't you recite uh, Surah Al-Ikhlas for us in Arabic? Okay, very good. And so the translation is, say, he is Allah, one and only. Allah is the Arabic word for God, so say he is God, the one and only. God, the eternal, the absolute. He begets not, nor is he begotten, and there is none like him. Now, on its own, it's a statement of theology, but we're also being instructed to say it. So at one level, it's something that you repeat with your tongue. At another level, this is what you call others to. Right? We said that the basic message of the prophets is to call their people to turn, to turn to God and to turn back to God. That one's, I think, pretty straightforward for everybody in this room. Now, uh, 107, small kindnesses. Now we're getting to actions related to other people and, and consistency of conduct. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this in simple English. See you, or do you see the one who denies the judgment to come? And then repulses the orphan with harshness and does not encourage the feeding of the poor. So woe to the worshipers who are neglectful of their prayers or who want to be seen, meaning in their prayers, but refuse to supply even small kindnesses. At one level, what are we speaking about here? You have a person who is ignoring or repulsing the weakest people of society, which are the orphans. Meaning to get a sense of justice, of humanity, of service in any society, look at how do they treat their orphans. Right. And this is something to even try uh, to go and Google later on tonight and find out where are the stats in our society on orphans. It's actually kind of hard to find these stats. Right? And then what happens uh, to orphans in our country or what happens to orphans in other parts of the world. Uh, and so this is a test to see what is the actual condition of your society. What do you do with the orphans? So the worst thing here is to be harsh with them or to not feed those who are poor. But what else is, what is, is considered to be equally bad is that when you're praying to the divine, you're actually doing it as a matter of show. So one half of this is that you're not helping those who are in need, and the other half of this, your acts of worship, are nothing but performance. 
How would you describe these, these behaviors? What, what is this type of person? Not helping those who are in need and just showing off. Self-centered. Self-centered would much, very much be this. Someone else is thinking? Hypocrite. This is often the common term that we use, right? And these are very much almost the same thing. That the idea being that my focus is entirely on myself in a negative way. There is good selfishness. Here we're saying this is negative selfishness. And thus we call such a person a hypocrite. Moving forward, uh, the backstory of, of chapter 93. This comes very early on in the story of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. He had received his first revelations from the divine and what was taking place. He was reflecting on what was taking place in life, looking at poverty, looking at need, and he would go on retreats into a cave outside of Mecca, spend the night there and reflect. One night, a light appears before him, and there's different narrations saying uh, with, with, with slightly different details. A light appears before him. The other narration, a man of light appears before him, and then everything else is the same from there. That this light or this man starts speaking to him, saying, recite, recite. And he responds by saying, I'm not a reciter. Uh, recite again. I'm not a reciter, meaning I cannot read or write. And then this light or the man hugs him and then tells him, recite in the name of God who has created you. And then a few passages uh, after that. And then this light disappears and Muhammad thinks that he's lost his mind. And he starts running home to talk to his wife. And as he is heading home from the cave to his home, everywhere he looks, he sees this man encompassing the entire horizon. And the man says, you, Muhammad, are the messenger of God, and I am Gabriel, the angel of God. He comes home, sees his wife, and he says to his wife, cover me, cover me, as though he's going into shock. And, and she had already known that there was something special about him. Uh, based on things that were happening with him, and she had talked to some of her relatives about things that were happening to him, and so she knew he was special in a spiritual realm. And so she is supporting him, she is comforting him, she's saying, God is not going to humiliate you. The way you treat your relatives, the way you treat the needy, nothing is wrong with you here. But we have to find out, what is it that's making you sick? And then he starts receiving more communications while he is lying down. And the communications are telling him, arise and call the people, and other communications telling him, stand up in recitation towards God. But then, it stops. And weeks go by, he doesn't hear anything. Months go by, he doesn't hear anything. And he begins to think that he did something wrong. That he began to accept that these were revelations from God, but what did he do wrong? And as much as six months have now gone by, and he thinks he's offended the divine, and then he receives this passage. And it, it says, by the glorious morning light and the night when it is still, your guardian Lord has not forsaken you, nor is he displeased. And verily the hereafter will be better for you than the present, or the future will be better for you than the present. And soon will your guardian Lord give you, and you will be well pleased. Did he not find you an orphan and give you shelter? And he found you wandering and he gave you guidance. And he found you in need and made you independent. Therefore, do not treat the orphan with harshness. Do not repulse those who are begging, but of the bounty of your Lord, rehearse and proclaim and tell everyone. 
So what is he being told? First and foremost, as clear as the morning is, as still as the night is, the divine is not upset with you. The divine has not abandoned you. And look it back at how you've experienced life. Think of all the lows that you've had in life and how, where he brought you. And your future will be the same that he will give you and you will be pleased with the divine. Thus, when orphans come to you, don't turn them away. When beggars come to you, uh, don't be, uh, uh, or, or, or uh, don't turn away from them. But for all that the divine has given you, tell everyone. So. Now, what are we saying here? In the first passage, he said, focus on how you use your time. In the second passage, speak of, of the divine. In the third passage, be consistent in your prayer and be one of giving. Here, we're being told, don't give up. You will go through difficulties in your life. You will definitely go through low points in your life. But you are never being abandoned by the divine. And so then when you're ready, when you've gotten your head above water again, then go and tell everyone of the greatness of the divine. Meaning what? That there are times where you do need to take time off and recollect. Because what has hit you in life? And there will be those times. The next passage refers to the most extreme in terms of interaction with people who are hostile in terms of faith. Another passage that is often memorized, especially because of the poetic quality, but again, for our purposes, we'll just read in English. Of course, it sounds better in the Arabic. Oh you, say, oh you who reject faith. Now, what is taking place here? The Prophet Muhammad has been calling people in his town of Mecca for a full decade. Uh, the town of Mecca at this time, 1,400 years ago, it's about 5,000 people. And he's calling on them, and a few things to keep in mind. Number one, they all know him. They know him inside and out. They know him to be so honest that they call him the truth, literally. Meaning they can't conceive that he would lie. And he is reciting the Quran to them in their language, and they're recognizing that this could not be something written by a human being. And yet they're still saying, no, we don't want this. Right. And what is the basic message of the Quran? <clears throat> There's no God but God. The idols that you're worshiping cannot help you. So he reaches a point where almost everyone in Mecca has rejected him. And there is much more to the story after this, which we can talk about another time. So all you who have rejected faith, I worship not that which you worship, nor will you worship that which I worship. And I will not worship that which you have been wont to worship, or will you worship that which I worship? To you be your way, and to me mine. So what's being stated here? How would you explain this? Would you call it an openness? To explain please? further. I would say definitely an openness. It's basically saying, let's agree to disagree. Yeah? You have your beliefs, I have mine. You will go in your direction, I'll go in my direction. Peace be upon you. And so this is also part of the instruction of the divine, that at some point, you just have to step back. You're calling people to the divine. Some people are going to say no. Some people might even be hostile. But you say, you go to you, yours, to you, mine. Now, the last two. And then we'll try to figure out what is the summary. The second to the last one speaks about the particulars of character. And the last one speaks about justice. Now, how do these two relate? Think of character in the collective to be justice. 
An upright person, we say that person has character. An upright society, we say it is a just society. Right? So character at the individual level, justice at the collective level. It is not righteousness that you turn your faces towards east or west. Now, what is the point here? This will resonate more with, with the Muslims in the room. Why? Because as I'm sure you're all familiar, that when we perform our five daily prayers, the first step is to figure out which way is Mecca. Right? So if I were here, don't tell me. I'm going to guess it's this way. Which way is north? Anyone? North is that way? North is that way. Yeah, northeast. Got it. Okay. We got, we got this uh, internal compass. Okay. But the point being that just because I'm facing the right direction doesn't mean that I have automatically good character. Fulfilling the details of the acts of worship does not by definition mean good character. They're two interrelated efforts, but they are different. Righteousness is what? And there's going to be three things here. Number one, belief. Number two, giving. And number three, perseverance. So number one, righteousness is to believe in God in the last day, the angels in the book, and the messengers. Okay? It's belief. Why is belief important? Because that informs your intentions. That if I'm doing something in service of the divine versus doing something in the service of my own worldly benefit, a few different intentions might still have the same action. The second, to give of your substance, to give of your wealth out of love for him to your relatives, to the orphan, to the needy, to the travelers, to those who ask, to free slaves. So what is also part of character? To give and give and give and give. And third, perseverance or discipline. To be steadfast in prayer, to practice the regular charity, that's the annual charity as opposed to just giving every day. To fulfill the contracts which you have made and to be firm and patient in pain or suffering and adversity throughout all periods of panic. Such are the people of truth and such are those here it says God-fearing, but it would actually be those who take God as their shield. You take the divine as your shield. This is character. Belief, giving, and discipline and perseverance. And the last point about justice. All you who believe, stand firmly for justice as witnesses to God, witnesses to the divine, even against your own selves, or against your parents, or against your relatives, whether it be against rich or poor, for God, for Allah, can best protect both. Do not follow the lusts of your hearts, lest you swerve. And if you distort justice or decline to do justice, verily Allah is well acquainted with all you do. So this, I think, is very straightforward, we, especially when the rabbi was speaking about justice. What are we saying here? You must stand for justice, even if it means going against your own self or your own family. But when we say going against your own selves, think of it two ways. Maybe I'm the one who will get the short end of the stick because of my actions. Or I might have to develop bravery against my own self to stand up for justice. Sometimes that's even more uh, difficult. And so that's justice. So now let's try to put all these together. What is the common thread? Number one, make use of your time. Number two, uh, proclaim the oneness of God. Number three, be consistent in your prayer and your service. Number four, never give up in your relationship with the divine. Number five, there are limits of your calling. Number six, character. Number seven, justice. What would you say? What's common in all of this? It's probably easier than, than we might think. But Enjoy, there's no wrong answers. You know, some of you are looking like my undergraduates. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry? It was how to sum it up. Mm -hmm. you know, it's... 
I'll give you a hint. Uh, think of the name of the tradition that I'm speaking about. Obedience. So Islam means submission, obedience, or entering into peace. So what are we saying here? That you obey the divine in every aspect of your being. Right? Or you submit to the divine in every aspect of your being. The actual truest meaning of Islam is enter into peace. Meaning this is the way to peace within yourself, within society, on the hereafter, but ultimately in your relationship with the divine. All right. So with that, thank you very much for your time. I don't know what we do from here. Should I make an announcement or something?